Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Yes, we are back. Took a little bit of a break, but then again, it was because there was so much work to be done. That being said, we have Jaime Rivera back on deck, Mr. Apple himself, to talk through all of the new Apple devices. Uh, he has all of the iPhones. We talk through cinematic mode on all of them, the new sensors, um, the differences between the different devices, especially when it comes to software scaling, which is a big point uh, that we make in this episode. And then after the break, we do talk about the iPad Mini and why I do kind of adore mine, uh, but there are some very specific reasons why I understand why this thing is um, maybe not the easiest pill to swallow. Uh, Jaime has plenty of thoughts on that as well, of course. With all of that said, though, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Bacchanal Weekly Podcast. We're talking Apple today. Let's get into it. Getting everything off of the iPhones to edit camera tests. Such a joy. <laughs> get a Mac. Ah. Oh get a mac waiting for the new Macs. um speculations though i mean you you talk about it the uh macbook 14s hopefully will be on their way i hope yeah definitely what up buddy uh doing all right um so obviously after our qualcomm episode was the last episode that we published i took a little bit of a small hiatus after all right after that happened we got our hands on all of the iphones and all of the apple devices and all that stuff so it's been a literal crazy time <laughs> recently I don't think that's been a problem. I, <laughs> as Joe Levi would say, he used to work for us. Uh, it's a great time to be alive. There's a lot. I have two of them in front of me. Um, Isa has been on the uh, mini, of course, and so you have you obviously have hands on all four. Um, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of like social media talk about how some people have the iPhone 13 Pro Max and then they hold the mini and you feel like a giant first of all but it's also kind of a weird change between the two um which one are you um which one are you gravitating to mostly uh 13 Pro I can't use a Pro Max again is it really just the size of it or is there is there anything else so no disrespect to anybody that likes the Pro Max I don't think it's a bad phone I think it's a great phone it's just even if I have large hands, I have been dealing with pinky strain for I don't know how long. There's a couple of things. Um, the problem with the Pro Max is that it is Apple is notorious for um, I guess the best way to say it is uniformity. Um, and the best way, and I think we should talk about the iPad Mini just to discuss. More oh, about we it. absolutely will because I um, I love it too. <laughs> No, that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the iPad Mini, but not about love. So it's going to be a great debate, I guess. Um, here's the problem. The fact that I, I understand that Apple behaves like a startup, and I understand that the company values uh, simplifying processes. It's the smartest thing to do in engineering. The biggest problem is that you cannot expect that the experience of anyone using an iPhone 13 mini will be the same as anyone using a 12, uh, 13 Pro Max. And so if all you're giving me is a larger, the largest iPhone they could make just because they can make it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that design is is ideal for large hands. And mm. so it's funny how how we always complain about curved screens, but the more I use, I use the 12 Pro Max the entire year, the more I valued curved screens on any Galaxy and curved backs because... You know, just juggling that massive phone, which is not even, it's not as tall as most other flagships of its size. It's actually wider. Um, it's got a weird aspect ratio. Um, it, it's the hardest phone to use with one hand. If you're in New York City commuting through the subway. It forces you to use a case which only makes the, the phone 
wider, thicker, harder to handle. And so I was like, okay, I've always been, ever since iPhone 10, I've been, I've been a small, not necessarily a small iPhone. I think the iPhone 10 was like, it was this modern smartphone. Like it's like Apple said, this is the future of the smartphone. And it's true. The fact that they removed the bezels and they gave you literally a, a 5.8 inch screen, which is now 6.1 on the body of a much smaller iPhone. Like if mm -hmm. at the time you would grab the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10, they were literally the same size but you had a lot more screen on the Pro. I'm sorry, on the 10 at the time. And so we're in a situation where obviously they came out with the Pro Max. I wanted to try it and I did. And I did at the time because I wanted, I wanted the best camera Apple could do. And obviously the in-body civilization is something you and I benefit from all the time. Totally. But the more that I use, yeah, the more that I use a 12 Pro Max, if you watch my After the Buzz video, the more I realized that go go back that uniformity is always a problem the 12 pro max is faster at producing the same results and so this in-body stabilization is used to stabilize your shot and to make your experience taking the photo easy uh, quicker but it's not giving you better photos like i compared it against a regular 12 at the time and the results were exactly the same it's just that the 12 took a little longer to take the same shot. So it's uniform processing across the board. And it's literally just that one has more technology to take the photo faster or to guarantee that you're going to take a more reliable photo mm -hmm. if you're in a little bit of a shaky situation or whatever. But it's not that the camera is better. Mm. And so the question is, do you really need a Pro Max? And I tested it for a year and I realized that I didn't, even if it had, quote unquote, a better camera. Yeah, it wasn't leaps and bounds better than the other phones, which was kind of the odd thing. Like they made a big deal about that sensor shift stabilization, which of course, like you said, we both benefit from. But the bigger sensor, exactly. the bigger sensor wasn't that much better than the rest. It, there was like a marginal increase in it. But yeah, that was the reason to go for a 12 Pro Max last year. And I was actually, I have both the Pro and the 12 Pro Max. I still regret getting the Max. I'm, I'm going to hold on to it though, because mm -hmm. it will still retain some value for trading in the future. So I'm going to hold on to it for a little longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course. one of the things though that I'm really enjoying, and I just got done finally with a camera test with the iPhone 13, the smaller one. And one of the main points I make is that part of why we all wanted the 12 Pro Max last year, or rather the perception was that we really wanted the 12 Pro Max last year is because of that better sensor. And now that sensor is effectively on all of the phones. And I, I kind of really adore that Apple made that choice, especially for the smaller phones. I adore it, but at the same time, it only makes me question why I would want a Pro Max. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so it's the reason why. Here's the thing. I think that using the Pro Max, if you look, if you watch my After the Buzz, it wasn't a, a very positive video. And, and it was because I was just annoyed at how difficult it was to carry that thing in my pocket. I've got, because the phone is squared, completely flat, I've got like stretch marks in my jeans of just carrying this damn thing um and so i remember switching back to the pro this year and i think i finally love iphones again just because of how good it feels to go back to the pro to a regular hand-sized phone that you could handle with one hand i have not put it on a case the entire time I am a happy camper. <laughs> I love it. I think the mini is a little too small, even if I feel that it would be the the ideal form factor for most people. Um, 
<clears throat> I think that the mini is just this like really it's this really sweet phone that's not made for anybody over 40 that needs to use glasses <laughs> to read. <laughs> I can only imagine the people who still gravitate to the mini because of its size, but they still do like the big scaling on the phone. <laughs> yes. And here's the problem. The problem is we go back to the problem of uniformity. The 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 fact that in the case of Apple, it's literally the same operating system just shrunk in a little. And therefore, the text is not designed for humans to read. <laughs> it's it's designed to conform to that to that uniformity of the form factor. I think that again, the uniformity has become a problem because it's not necessarily like if iOS has been catered to the mini, nor has it been catered to the Pro Max. I feel that the base design is the six point one inch iPhone, mm -hmm. where it's not too little, not too much, and then. The Pro Max doesn't really benefit from the operating system taking advantage of the larger screen. All it does, like the widgets are not even bigger. They literally are just spread out more. Yeah. And then on the Mini, the widgets are not necessarily bigger to take it to, to a certain... It's funny because the Mini even has better pixel density, but you can't take advantage of it because they've scaled down the operating system. And so it, it it gives you like you can increase the text, but then the text doesn't look as well on the widgets or email. It like loops in and it's just uh, like, why do these phones have to all be built? I think Android does a better job at scaling for larger or smaller screens than iOS does. And I really feel that Apple should address that. Like they really should focus on scaling in a different way. I agree. And I feel like that's going to be part of our discussion later once we bring up the iPads, because I, I that is a that is a major gripe. Um, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, before we get to all of that, I do want to ask you, because um, I, like I said a little bit earlier, I finally got done with a camera test on the iPhone 13, not the Pro, but the 13. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, as I was editing this footage and these photos, I'm still very happy with the quality that's coming out of it even in cinematic mode um i wanted to ask your thoughts like can you share your thoughts on the cameras for this generation dude i i'm telling you man like the camera i don't so i've done a comparison i've taken the photos but i haven't really looked at the results i'm currently working on a 13 pro max versus 12 pro max uh because you know that's what i like to do and i I because these are this this is the exact same sensor of the Pro Max from yet last year on the regular 13 and I've already done comparison photos versus the regular 13 and the 13 Pro models I don't see a difference it's just like for example if the regular is going to take like from the primary there's not even a benefit in low light meaning it'll take the same amount of time to take the photo from the primary it's just when you switch to the ultra wide that probably the mini, the sorry, the mini, the regular, or the mini will take. It's going to be a a five second exposure shot versus a one to two second exposure shot on the pro. Mm -hmm. But then if you have steady hands and you wait for the results, they'll look the same. Yeah, they will literally look the same. And if you if you like if you go three x crop. A digital on the regular 13s, that's a bit too much. If you stick to a regular 2x crop, which is 50 millimeters equivalent, it's actually a standard. Like it's like the perfect telephoto 
uh, distance uh, and crop. Like for me, even three X is just a little too much. Mm. I'm I'm like I would rather do two X on the on the regulars, and the photo is good enough for Instagram. Yeah. It is good enough for Instagram. Um, and the good thing is, you know, because of the way artificial intelligence works today, it's not like, you know, it's not like in the past where you would get like a crop photo and it has less megapixels. No, when you look at the results, that crop photo at 3x is the same size as if you took a regular 12 megapixel shot from the typical one. Like mm -hmm. they'll just overcompensate through artificial intelligence. I have to admit, though, like um, even if all of the cameras might even if the picture quality, especially from the main sensors, might all look pretty much the same as last year's 12 Pro Max for obvious reasons, that's the sensor that they all have. Man, I find myself just, I was taking a shot of Isa just earlier. I wouldn't, after we had our lunch, we walked around for a bit. I got a few pictures of her using the 13 Pro. And I realized mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of things that I have already changed in the camera app just to suit my style. And it's because of those photographic mm -hmm. styles. And that's literally something we haven't been able to really do up until now. Rich contrast is my default now. I'm I'm done with the whole oh, you smart... Mean pixel con you mean pixel? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Rich contrast is pixel, dude. Yeah. Like, let me give you a pixel shot, and that's what, that's what rich contrast is. But that was what was missing. Apple because has always whole... been a little more neutral. Yeah, exactly. This whole smart HDR thing. Like, I remember having conversations with people and... They're like, yeah, while the dynamic range is great because smart HDR does a great job, there are times when you do want to have a little bit of contrast. There are times when you want to have a bit more saturation. There are times when you want to be able to do that. And while the iPhone empirically is able to give you such good, like, evened out shots and footage, being able to turn on that rich contrast is just, that's exactly what I've been waiting for. And I'm, I use it all the time now. I, I've tried it. I haven't really looked at the results on on the computer like i'm i you know the moment we finish the podcast that's actually what i'm about to do okay but dude like from what i've seen i just you're not gonna buy these phones for the cameras if you're already on a 12 series you're not gonna buy these phones for the cameras they're they're gonna give you the exact same results because we go back to the topic of uniformity where the results are not better they're just faster they're not different they're just faster and so is faster an important thing for a photographer? Yes, but a photographer is not using an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, is, is it important for the consumer? Well, I mean, if you want to have the best point and shoot in the market, which is the iPhone, I think that sure, why not? I mean, uh, if you have no problem in going pro, I would, I would still go pro because I like the, the optical, uh, I like the optical approach of less limitations, but, Let's, you know, if you watch my video about, you know, which iPhone is the best for you, it's literally a lot of people just buy the pro models, not because they need the pro models or because the pro models bring them any benefit. It's literally just a bragging rights. It's the fact that I've got the three camera lenses and not two. Yeah, uh, it's all bragging rights. It's I've got the most expensive iPhone and that's it. You know, um, I find it funny that you mentioned that because that, that's literally the conversation I was having with the regular 13 and the 13 mini, because when it comes to the pro, you're right. People mm -hmm. like you and me, we get to use the 3X optical from time to time. We will use the macro. I use pro raw a lot. I use pro raw a lot. Okay. So yeah, that's the other feature, right? Yes. So we yes. have the optical zoom. We have the macro, which is like a seldomly used thing, but it's there. And sometimes we use it. Uh, you use pro res. Yeah. Um, but for everybody else, like 
the fact that cinematic mode is available across the board, I feel like it is going to inspire a lot of people who are super casual using minis and 13s to just like give it a try. And maybe our social media, you're not on social media as much, but like I'm looking forward to when I can scroll through TikTok and actually see some more filmic like footage. And I'm hoping people adopt it. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, because uh, ProRes is not available yet. But let's talk about uh, cinematic mode. 30 frames per second? Like, seriously? Yeah, I know. Is like, that... <laughs> I, I was like, okay. I'm like, you should have called it home movie mode or sitcom mode. Or you can't call it cinematic if you don't give me a 24 frames per second option. I just, I can't use it. Like, I know that there are people out there that's, that make their YouTube videos in 30 frames per second or, or, or 60 frames per second in the case of Fisher, but there is no cinema, no cinema production that is not made in 24 frames per second. So if you use the word cinema for your fit for your feature, you cannot not give me 24 frames per second. I do everything in 24. Same. Um, I just I prefer I prefer the motion blur. I prefer the effect. It's um. It's also particularly there are certain cameras, particularly APS-C cameras, where the sensor readout is is complete at 24 frames per second, and then it does a crop in any other frame rate. Um, and so you prefer the entire sensor readout to avoid rolling shutter, to avoid um, to avoid um, what was the other thing? Well, you do want to avoid the crop, but I forget what the, what's the like. You you actually get better low light performance at twenty four frames per second just because you can reduce your shutter speed to something a little more natural and yes. so many other things. And so, I I'm like thirty really Apple like. I felt that way with the 1080 because there's no other resolution that you can shoot at on, uh, in the cinematic mode, which is like I'm always going to want that four K. And I'm not done. <laughs> and then, and then, okay, HDR Dolby Vision, non-negotiable. I'm like, oh, it looks great on the phone. Try to take it out of that phone. And it's funny, if you airdrop it to a Mac, it will retain standard dynamic range results. But the moment you throw it into Final Cut, forget it. The moment you throw it into social media. So it's like if the Mac and the iPhone can decode it for you to look humane, but the moment you throw it into any sort of editor, it, it just does not. And so it's like the Dolby Vision video. I never used it because of that. I switched it off immediately because like it, you like how many consumers it's one of the things where I, you know, give me cinematic mode. And let me choose my frame rate. I don't care about the 1080p. I'll deal with it. It's fine. You know, the average consumer can, you know, a, a lot of people, like a lot of movies are still 1080p on YouTube. Um, mm. Like right now, I started watching Rakeem of an, Amer of an American Dream. It's 1080p. Um, so I don't mind the 1080p. I just mind the frame rate. Like I, we have a problem right there. It's not going to give me that cinematic effect that I'm looking for. And even if I do, like I, I can praise Apple for not giving me portrait video, quote unquote, because I think that Apple is honoring the concept of of portrait video a lot better in creating a mode that actually does it well. Mm -hmm. They do it significantly. Like their portrait video results 
are dramatically better than any other phone out there. I don't even think, like, unless you grab, like, a Sony ZV, you know, that they have, like, this, which is really not a cinematic AI mode. It's technically them just playing with the aperture and the shutter speed. Indeed. Um, they do it optically, but they have the capability because the sensor and the lens are there, whereas on a phone, how else do you do it without AI? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is true. Um, I do like how Apple is. I was going to ask you, like, how do you feel about the mechanics of it? Because I, I do find myself still stopping it down because anything below 2.8 aperture, it just looks really fake. It still has a halo effect right. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think mechanically, like it's it's it works really well, especially if you're shooting people. You still have to press and hold yeah. for anything else, which is, I mean, it's a tip yes. that I had to give. Yeah, but it's 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 great. I just will never use it. I just, I... I refuse to have to deal with needing to edit HDR content. Yeah. It is just a freaking nightmare. Either you edit everything in HDR. <laughs> it's like when Qualcomm, if you remember, when we were doing the whole Qualcomm project and they wanted us to do, what was it, HDR? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like, there is no, none of us here own Mac Pros. There is no computer that's capable of or no editor that's capable of handling hdr video without coughing and to a certain degree if you're going to lose frames as you're looking at the timeline it completely defeats the purpose and then i think hdr is like the new 3d where it's cool that the product can do it but nobody like how many people have a monitor that can portray hdr correctly like even apple's products can't portray hdr correctly unless you're using an iphone because you don't have that that those uh eh. obviously the iPhone can any OLED product can mm -hmm. they're they're certified for HDR10 but then a regular LCD uh no not really mm -hmm. this is true um, not really I can also attest to this whole editing as a nightmare thing when it comes to iPhone stuff I mean we had the problem last year I remember you and I were talking about it on the podcast how you had to go in and turn off the HDR video all that stuff. With, oh yeah, with the cinematic mode, it is still a problem as well. Um, when I put and it, you can't switch it off. You can't. When I when I imported the footage to my DaVinci Resolve, I had to color grade it myself, and I right. <laughs> it took forever to figure out like exactly what settings to mess with there. Um, but yeah, that is something to contend with. Um, that's the reason why I say like it's a feature that clearly is. It, it's not catered to, but it just seems to work best for the people who are just going to make the shot, take the shot, and then upload it to TikTok, upload it to IG stories. And like, so, so th there are a couple of things that I feel that are great about. There's only one thing that I love about cinematic mode, and it's something that no camera can do. Um, and it's to be able to focus or defocus after the fact. Yes. Like, that is pretty cool. And so I feel, even for example, the whole case of ProRes, which is funny, Apple is getting really good at launching products without all the features that they mentioned in the keynote. Like, you know, first there was their, their um, I even forget, that's, but uh, like, for example, ProRaw was not launched immediately. Um, and so it's the same case, case right now with ProRes, but I'm like, why would I want ProRes on my phone? Like, I... If you're going to give me a pipeline that big, you know, it's pretty much to us. Can I, can I, can we agree that ProRes is like almost lossless video? If, if it were like, there's no compression. I, I think that that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's the least amount of compression possible, which is great. Cool. 
There's, you know, there's no conversion into HEVC. There's no conversion into MP4. There's no conversion into MOV. It is pretty much technically almost it's it's a it's a big pipe pretty much that's the best way to say it yeah but if you're gonna go that far why not just make it raw video because if you're giving me all that information but it's just more it's just more size in the codec like i'm waiting to see the results just to be like is this better video because i don't think it is like i aside from not not having compression which should i it should have its benefits. If you're going to give me a codec that large, what is holding you back from giving me RAW? Because what other camera can do ProRes out of the camera if not the Blackmagic cinema cameras? Mm -hmm. Like those are the, I, I think those are the only few cameras that do ProRes natively. You do need a freaking hard drive to connect to them. But they're giving, why, but then I'm like, but why are they doing ProRes when I ask Cohen? And he's like, well, because it's raw video. And I'm like, oh, now we're talking. If you give me raw video from an iPhone, oh my God. And, and that's the question, like what is holding them back? If they're already giving me sort of a lossless codec, why not give me the raw information within to take advantage of that lossless compression? And so that I can tweak my video after the fact that they already pulled it off with cinematic mode where I can defocus my video in and out later. If they could allow me to tweak my exposure, to tweak my ISO, to tweak my shutter speed. And then that's another thing that pisses me off. Cinematic video without a shutter speed control. It's like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I think we've. I think we're already putting people to sleep just because of our like snobby video centric conversation. But this is what I'm saying: is like it's just so interesting to me that a feature like this speaks to everybody in weird ways because it speaks to us yes. because we understand it, but we also understand why it's limited. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, there are so many people that are going to use it that are like, "This is so cool!" And like, <laughs> yeah, and then they drag it into their computer and they're like, "What the hell did I just do?" <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately, and now, and now I can't, and, and now I can't go back to film my baby's first steps. And so, this is the biggest problem. The biggest problem is, an iPhone has become that like go-to point and shoot for like important moments in your life because you're carrying it in your pocket and it's really easy to use it. But these features don't simplify the process of a creator; they complicate it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if they complicate it for a creator. Can you imagine an average consumer trying to figure out how to color grade their own video? It's not going to happen. Yeah. I that's why I have I have this thought that there's going to be there's a certain Venn diagram of like video editors and just casual users and there's very few people in the middle who are both to the point where they'll actually take the video and put it onto their computers. Um so right. that, that's what I'm kind of thinking. In any case, like that's all of the iPhone stuff for the most part. Were there any other thoughts you wanted to share on the uh on the iPhones? <laughs> I love when you get Catherine Bigelow to be like, yeah, this cinematic video is like awesome and everything. <laughs> and then she doesn't say anything about the 24 frames per second. And then she doesn't say anything about the lens flaring, which still exists on this. It screen. does. Yeah. It's, it, it's not as bad as before, particularly in the pro iPhone. Um, but it's still there. And if I'm going to be dealing with this, like you can deal with lens flaring when you edit a video, because you can like literally fix that in Photoshop easily. But you can't do it on video. Like you can't remove lens flares on video. And like it's it's not that it's technically impossible. You'd have to go through every frame trying to remove that crap. 
And so I do have software that sort of deals with it, but not really great. And so, you know, Apple and no, you know, I, this is, here's the thing. It's just the pro approach to me has been very anti-Apple words. They're trying to simplify everything, but then the solutions they're bringing, which are pro features, which technically should be for pros. The problem is when you market these capabilities to a consumer, because every single piece of marketing that Apple builds is for a consumer. It's not for a pro person. And any pro person is not going to buy an iPhone to go film. They're going to go buy a real camera. Mm. That's just the way it is. And so because you're telling a consumer that this phone can do pro things, if this consumer does not know that that cinematic video is going to be uneditable later in a in standard editor, can you imagine how many people are going to be pissed off? They're going to try it once and switch it off. And so I would really love some statistics to tell me how many people actually use, uh, you know, cinematic mode. How many people actually are going to use ProRes? I'm curious. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think my litmus test for that will be social media. Because if I start to see it more often on social media, I'm going to be like, okay. It was an oversimplification of a feature, but at least people are using it because of that. So that's really what I'm thinking. Um, that being said, let's do a quick break, and then we can get into... I'm actually looking forward to this conversation because I... I've never had an Ooh. iPad before, <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about here. So one quick. And break. you're about to talk to Mr. iPad. <laughs> I have gone on record on this show as saying I'm not a tablet person. However, seeing you in action with iPads in the past, Apple Pencils, all those things, I see why it would be useful. It's just not something that I do. It's not my kind of thing. I think mm -hmm. it was just because I had to find that perfect size of tablet. And I have to say around that eight inch mark is not bad. Like I'm, I'm into it, honestly. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about why the iPad mini is, I think it's overpriced. I think it's pretty grossly overpriced. Yes. Um, but it is opening my eyes to the fact that I like, it. I like a larger screen. It's not something I'll bring with me literally everywhere. But it is something that can go with me everywhere compared to like an iPad Pro 11 um, or anything like that. So I think that's the reason why I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this iPad mini. There are some problems, though, for sure. But I wanted to hear your side. No, I'm going to hear your side first. OK, I do. <laughs> I do think it's a little. OK, so this is all stuff that we've talked about in the past that I personally have not been able to experience until now. The whole iPad OS is just not. I mean, you call it iPad OS, but so many applications are still not optimized for a larger screen. And every time I open up Instagram or TikTok, oh, I hate yeah, but it that's, so that's much. That's a developer problem. It's not an Apple problem. Oh, fair. Like um, try to try to open Instagram on on a on a Galaxy Z Fold three. It's worse. Oh, fair. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, so there is that. Um, aside from that, like um, one thing that I've really been enjoying, and I I know this about all Apple products, is that accessorizing your Apple product is always half of the fun. So I already have a magic keyboard. I already have the Apple pencil. I have actually like signed a bunch of like agreements in the last couple of weeks using the Apple pencil. I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I, I'm having the Jaime feel right now. This is exactly what he was doing. <laughs> um, okay. But the only thing, the main things that really irk me about the way the iPad mini has been positioned is at its price, you get so little space at the base model, 64 gigs. Mm -hmm. I've already filled it up yeah. because iCloud yeah. iCloud just went ahead and started downloading everything down when I never told it to. Um, <laughs> you, you, can, you, can, you can delete that. Like, yeah. 
you can tell you don't want that. I had to go through the the photos app and delete everything. Um, so I had to do that. And then I just, I do miss pro motion. I do miss a higher refresh rate screen. And on a bigger screen like this, that is not even really like a, it's not a fantastic screen. Um, but a better screen on this thing would have probably made a lot more sense, especially since I'm liking having a larger screen in my life for the first time in probably ever. Um, it's exactly the reason why I wasn't a Z Fold fan, because I just can't really fathom carrying that thing around everywhere. Um, in the case of the iPad mini, I can throw it in a bag. It's not going to go with me everywhere, but I can throw it in a bag without it taking up too much more space compared to a larger tablet or a laptop. I have actually edited a couple of, well, social media videos on the iPad mini. Okay. And it was kind okay. of a joy. I have to admit it was kind of a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your verdict is you like it or you don't. I do. I do like it. Um, okay. It's the first thing I reach for so far, most mornings to just like look through a calendar, read up on any contracts or type up any tasks that I have. I have, I mean, the, the, the typing experience is more down to the magic keyboard that I got for it, but it, it it's good. I like it. Um, it's fine. It's, it's, it feels just like any other Mac keyboard. So I can't really say much about that. That's not an iPad thing. That's a magic keyboard thing. Yeah. Okay. So, but what magic keyboard did you get? You got the, you got the regular Apple magic keyboard, the one that's separate. Yes. The one that's, there's separate. no other to the yeah. one that's made for the, there's no, uh, it's made for Macs yeah, and for it's, the Mac, the, it's the previous the one without the touch ID. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I actually have that keyboard too. And I actually use a magic trackpad like permanently. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, okay. So here's the thing about the iPad mini. I have been waiting for this tablet for nine years. Or should I say, uh, when was the first iPad mini launched? I think it was 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And so was, no, it was 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. The biggest problem, yeah, nine years since 2012. That's when it launched. I, bought it like the moment they announced it i'm like this is the perfect tablet i want it i want a small tablet because i've always been a traveler i in a, at the time i wasn't a kindle user and i thought that i would rather for the price of a kindle i would rather have a tablet that i could use for reading that i can that could also be a tablet for everything else that i'd like to use tablets for but the problem is that it launched without a, without a retina display at the time that the retina display ipad was launched then later they upgraded it, but then they also made the Apple Pencil uh, available on the Pro models. And so for the price, no, I, no. then they launched it, but then they launched the iPad Air like right next to it, and the price difference was only 100 bucks. So it was mm. like, no, and you got less storage on the Mini, and it wasn't upgraded. And so then they launched the iPad Mini 4, or the 3, I think it was, but then they also launched the Pro variants, and those had Apple Pencil, and the price difference wasn't really that much, and you get the Pencil. And so every single time, the iPad Mini has always been like relegated into this like niche thing that is good, but there's always a better iPad than it for a, for a very meager price difference. And so here's the problem. The, the, I think the biggest problem with the iPad Mini is, as you mentioned, the price versus the storage like if you go to apple.com which i'm doing right now and you hit buy ipad mini it's you have to pay 649 dollars for the 256 gigs of storage variant because the 499 model is 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 you know 64 gigs which is hilarious because the 329 model is also 64 gigs um and so many things but here's the problem 
if you want to buy an iPad Pro, an 11-inch iPad Pro that has um, that has promotion, that has half that storage at 128 gigs, but it has an M1, like it's got so many things. That one is $799. So if I have to pick between an iPad Mini at double the storage or an iPad Pro that is no holds bar everything for $150, I would so. The problem is that starting storage. This iPad Mini should have started at 128 gigs, Absolutely. and then that second, or give me the 64 gig model at 429, which is $100 over the cheaper iPad. And so for 429 for 64 gigs, it's like okay, it's not an impulsive buy, but I'll still get it. Um, but then if I get if I get an option for 128 gigs at just $50 more at 499, oh no, at 499 at 128 gigs. It stops making me question the mini. The problem is the way that things are mounted. It's like, why get this and not an iPad Air, which is going to cost you $100 more and you're going to get a bigger display and, and so many things, which a lot of people care about. Most consumers, like you have to want a smaller iPad to buy a smaller iPad. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, there is no reason for the average consumer to want to prefer this iPad when we have a saying in Spanish that there's none in English. It's like, it's like for that joke, like that's what it means literally translated for that joke. I'd rather just get a regular iPad air for a hundred dollars more. I get more size. It's going to fit Apple's entire accessory lineup. I can connect it to a regular keyboard because a lot of people don't like this mini because you can't connect it to anything unless it's like a detachable key, unless it's like a, a separate keyboard. And a lot of people don't like that. And mm -hmm. so, I was waiting for this product and then it launched and then I got it and I like it, but I don't love it. One thing is the storage. Obviously, that is the main problem. It's too little. Um, it's just too little. 64 gigs for an iPad where you're going to watch movies. It's for content consumption. You need storage. It's just, just the way it is, period. So 64 gigs, that's the first problem. The second problem is the topic of uniformity. If you grab a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, and by the way, this is an iPad OS 15 thing. It's not a 14 version or prior. Why the heck did Apple implement these like margins on the sides of the operating system? I have no logical explanation for them. But then because you have this, you have the issue that because Apple uniforms everything, you literally have a downscaled version of an iPad Pro on the mini. Hmm. And so if I am not wearing reading glasses, I cannot read those stupid widgets. Hmm. And then there's the other problem. This is the only iPad with a three by two aspect ratio. Every other iPad has a different one. It's weird. It's a little more squared, not four by three. Um, it, and it's not, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is. It's it's kind of a weird uh, form factor. Um, but because it's three by two, it's a little bit taller. It's cool to hold in one hand. But the problem is there's this feature in the dock where it's sort of unlimited. You can add as many apps as you want to it, I think. I've never gotten to the limit. But the problem is that when you put this thing vertically, the, the scaling is so small that you can't touch those damn icons. <laughs> and so it becomes this tablet that you have to hold in landscape. But then when you hold it in landscape and you want to pull out the keyboard, the virtual, the virtual keyboard, it almost takes up the entire screen again because of the odd scaling that it does. 
uh, because it's designed to a certain degree to be like an iPad Pro smaller. And so you go through all these hoops and I'm like, why? Like, why? I understand that from a, from a company perspective, having uniformity is convenient. From the software development to everything, I get, I get all that. But the problem is a consumer is not going to be like, okay, I'm going to buy my Pro to have in my office and then I'm going to buy my Mini to have in like, no, no. If, if we're already debating the price, it's because it's not a cheap tablet. The average consumer is only going to buy one tablet. And so why on earth would, why does it matter to the consumer that Apple needs uniformity? Mm. It doesn't matter to the consumer. The consumer should get an experience that's tailored for the product. And therefore, the iPad mini should have a user interface designed for the smaller screen a way to scale the widgets larger. You can scale the icons larger, but not the widgets. And then it's hilarious. If you go on landscape, yes, the dock will go will grow larger, but not the widgets. So I'm like, what the? Like <laughs> WTF, man? Like, really? And and but the, and then you get Android tablets, which I'm not saying Android tablets are better, but at least from a scaling perspective, Android tablets do a much better job. Mm-hmm. And so uh, like it's that. Like I feel that the software was not adequately tailored to the mini just like it's not tailored to the iphone mini and you know isa's young she's got no problem reading that damn thing but i do (laughs) well this whole scaling thing is so so, this scaling thing is so interesting because i've never really i haven't paid enough attention to it um and it just sort of like this is what i get so this is what i'm working with so i never really like paid attention to it in relation but i do have an ipad pro 11 so i'm gonna have to see the difference between them i think that's the way i'll yeah Compare them, compare them, because I think the I think that the sweet spot iPad, if you compare money versus features versus versus, um, I, I think that the 11 inch iPad Pro is like the sweet spot iPad. Um, or if you're if you're on a budget, you get the cheap iPad. Hmm. If you're on a budget but want something a little more modern, then get the iPad Air. If you want the best iPad, I wouldn't even consider it to be the 12.9 inch iPad Pro because Dude, you can try to sell me that mini LED screen all the, however you want. If you notice, I haven't even reviewed the damn thing. And it's because I am, I'm really upset at the blooming that happens in, in the user interface. I, like, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Like, You want how much money for this thing, which only portrays movies well. But then if I want to use the user interface, if I want to read a Kindle book, for example, and I want to use it in, in dark mode, dude, it blooms all over. Like if it was the cheapest LCD in the market. And so I think that Apple has like three iPads that are designed for the average consumer. It's literally the, the regular, the Air, and the 11-inch Pro. And then they've got two niche iPads, the Mini and the 12.9. Where it's like these two products have no reason for being, or I, I'm not going to say that they don't have reason for being. Like, I like to use a 12.9 for sidecar just because it's a perfect match with the 13 inch MacBook Pro. And so it's the reason why I use the 12.9, but it's not necessarily because it's a better iPad. Yeah. I, uh, um, Isa was messing around with the mini, and once she learned how to sidecar to the M113, macbook pro 13 she was like oh like her mind was blown it was like amazing how that could happen and i'm trying to figure out how to get the 11 connected to like a windows machine i know it's possible it's just i haven't done it yet but i'm gonna add another wrinkle to this whole ipad mini thing it is also overpriced because i just remembered i just remembered there's one specific detail that makes my ipad 
definitely overpriced compared to everyone else's. It's because you can pay 649 either for more storage or you can do what I did and go 64 gigabytes with cellular. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. So I put... Why did you go for cellular? Because I really wanted to see if like the small iPad could actually be something I could use like in the field or on like in travel and all that. So I put a Google Fi SIM in there, a data SIM, just a data SIM. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It is kind of a dream. Like I was, I, I went to a Qualcomm event last week and I didn't even bring my laptop to any of the seminars or to any of the demos. I just shot with my camera, USB-C'd the footage into the iPad mini and then edited TikToks and IG stories using that, which was great. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I was able to upload it straight from the, straight from the tablet. So I was like, but how, but how is that better than hotspot? Because the problem is what's the point of paying an extra $150 for a feature you don't always use? Which I did think about maybe a little bit too late, but <laughs> <laughs> I would rather like one thing that you're going to use all the time is storage. But one thing you won't use all the time is like it, it is 5G connectivity, but it's only sub six. So you're technically just getting LTE on that thing. Um, so it's I'm like, I've never I think I only got the I think I only got the cellular iPad when they launched the iPad 3, which was the first one with cellular. Mm-hmm. I maxed that thing out. I got a full-blown 64 gigs of storage at the time. Because at the time, it was 16, 32, or 64 gigs. And I got it with cellular. Dude, I remember at the time, it would take seven hours to charge. It was the worst charging experience in history because they were still using 30-pin connectors. Um, and the battery was just massive to be able to cater to that retina display. And I wanted that retina display like crazy. Um, but going back to the topic, I think that I would never get a note. Like I would never get a fully connected iPad. I would totally get a fully connected MacBook like that. I would, um, because I, I feel particularly the M one with the battery life being so great. Oh, it's like the perfect coffee shop tool. I could I could probably do it with the 12.9 because of the added real estate. Uh, I could consider myself using it as more of a workhorse. I don't think I can work on the mini as much as I like to read an ebook on it or um watch a couple of YouTube videos in the morning. Um I could I could say that I like it. I don't even like it for magazine reading because it's smaller than a magazine. It's pretty much the size of a small paperback. Mm. So <clears throat> Again, I am not saying it's a bad tablet. There's a market out there for it. And for those people that are looking for an iPad of that size, it is miles better than the previous one. Like, of course, jump on that, baby. Indeed. Like, get your, get your fix. Like, if this is the size you want, it is there. It is just not the best iPad. I, I feel that it's overpriced and it is not under featured i don't think that like i don't like when people complain about the the wiggle effect i'm like you've never used a two thousand dollar folder like <laughs> i i've isa was looking at those tweets and was like why does this matter to so many people and i was like you're you're talking to the you're talking about the techies the people who actually like pin like they're looking this closely to the screen and we're not those people even if I, we are I, techies i can give you Right, I can give you a list of products that are dramatically more expensive than this iPad Mini that have that, that same problem. <laughs> that problem. So no, I I've never made it a big deal because of that. But then, um, what's the other thing that I was going to tell you? Okay, promotion. Here's the problem. I like. Do I miss promotion? No, and let me explain why. 
here's I, I I think that Apple did the best job in their presentation for promotion on the iPhone. Where it was like you see the slides where if you're scrolling, it goes at 120 hertz, but then if you're on Instagram, it's 10 hertz, 12 hertz. And the problem is, if you want to get variable refresh rate, you need an OLED. And so there's no such thing as an LCD that does promotion 120 hertz without being fully 120 hertz, to my understanding. Yeah. Um, they're not variable, if, if I'm correct. I could be wrong, and I would love for anybody to correct me. But the, here's the problem I don't need that impact in battery life. One, two, I'm not scrolling all the damn time. <laughs> so I honestly don't care. I, I like I, I my use it scenario. It's funny because at some point somebody was like, I make this video and it's like, yes, this Galaxy S whatever has the variable refresh rate at 120 hertz. And it's just me scrolling like crazy. And so you see this YouTube comment that's like, and here comes Jaime scrolling like crazy to show off that the <laughs> thing can do it. But he only does it for the video because in regular human life, nobody cares about that crap. And it's true. It's cool to have. But does it really make your experience better? There is one reason where there's only one reason why I feel that Mini should have promotion. If anything, the Mini should be the only one to have it, and it's gaming. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but then there's an iOS problem where how many games support high yeah, refresh? This rate? is this is a big problem. Yeah, and so uh, I'm like. Uh, I get it. Like I understand, I, I understand your concern, but yeah, never mind. I but. do think I do think that it's going to come though. When it comes to iOS, there are a couple of games that do it that are very popular, like um, Wild Rift and Call of Duty Mobile. They do have high refresh rate options. I've been I'm like Dave Two D right now. I've been I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Unite uh, Unity Unite Pokemon Unite, and um, mm -hmm. I've been playing a lot of that. And it has a high refresh rate thing, but I think it's sixty, so it's not quite one twenty yet thing is it's always like with apple it's always this whole like i kind of have a carrot out there for people you know because like <laughs> they, <laughs> they have like the pro motion is available on the pro models of the iphone which means that developers are going to want to start supporting it but then they didn't future proof their ipad mini for that whole like revolution that'll hopefully happen eventually it's weird to me like how they do that the no apple is the new blackberry you remember the time when um when there, you remember the time when Apple would, sorry, BlackBerry, I, I think you're probably too young for this, but then they would launch the BlackBerry Pearl, for example, and it was the coolest, slimmest form factor ever. But then you had the problem where there was a Bluetooth variant or a Wi-Fi variant, but you couldn't have both. And so I was like, what the? Wow. I don't remember that. I remember the Pearls, but I didn't know yeah. there were variants. Yeah. There were there at the time. You remember, you would connect to their server, so you didn't really need Wi-Fi unless you traveled a lot, and I did. True. And so I needed Wi-Fi on that damn thing because roaming charges were the worst. But I would lose Bluetooth, and I would care about Bluetooth because it would connect my PDA to the internet. And so it's like, why can't you just make a product that has everything and call it a day? Give me less tablets and just give me you. Fine, give me uniformity for that. Make 120 hertz a thing for all your products. Make, uh, you know, that. I would be happy if they did something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the main takeaway from this iPad mini conversation is I should exchange <laughs> for more storage rather than cellular. I would if I were you. Yeah. I would if I were you. Like, 
with you having so many like so many products you can hotspot with you having like battery packs in case you need more power like you're always carrying your phone so why like and you're always carrying more than one phone yeah and if anything you could just because you're always carrying a sling you could just make that sling be your like it's funny you want to know mr hotspot is david kogan his phone is permanently on hotspot like we're just used to it but i would never buy the cellular variant of an ipad with like if i got it for review great but i would never buy it out of my money i would never use it yeah like i think it's cool to have but i think that if i'm on the go the last thing why would i want to use an ipad over using my phone if using my ipad on the go you know in places where there's no wi-fi how is that experience better than just using my phone if I'm on the subway or stuff like that? I don't know. I, well, I, it, it, I, the, you're absolutely right about the cellular data. Like it was a nice thing to have and it was cool to be able to just like all mm-hmm. in one device, which was nice, but you're right. Like tethering is a thing. But when it came to actually editing those uh, IG stories and those videos on the go, it really was the Apple pencil. I have to give it, I have to give it up. The Apple pencil made it a little bit easier. Um, and the larger oh, screen. Here's the thing. I have, I have two good friends who are artists, one of them, which I want to interview in this podcast at some point. Yeah. And he swears. Like, he's like, dude, I have Wacom's. I have everything you can think of. Nothing beats the Apple Pencil. Hmm. Nothing beats the Apple Pencil. He's like, there, it's just, it's really hard to beat. He's like, this is not just a stylus. It's the best stylus. It For an artist, it's the best. For anyone that's going to doodle notes like me as I am working on a script, it's the best. Um, it's massive and horribly expensive. and It's just crazy. Like, if you want to deck out an iPad mini, it's like, it's almost 900 bucks. And so it's it, like, it God, it like, it's, I have to admit. Too, it's too much money. Like, if, listen, uh, he, like here's the thing. It, for that matter, I would rather, if I'm going to, pay money for an iPad, I would rather have it be the best iPad. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm already going to pay 900 bucks for this damn mini, I would rather go all out with the iPad Pro 11 and just, I don't know, get it on payments or something. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, if I'm going to pay so much money, I want this thing to scream. Yeah, I want this thing to take my shoes off and give me a massage by end of day. because. When you're already talking, think about it. When you're talking Apple Pencil plus the cover plus the iPad plus the extra storage, you're talking MacBook Air pricing at Amazon.com. Yeah. It is It is the same price, if not a bit more expensive than just buying a damn MacBook Air. Yeah. <laughs> And I think on that note, uh, we're good to go. Um, so, yeah, that's about an hour <laughs> about all the Apple stuff. Good to catch up on all of that, actually. But we do have plenty of content still meant to come out. Um, but with that said, I look forward to all of that, of course, on Pocket Now. And as far as this podcast is concerned, let's jump into the outro starting now. 
All of the links for Jaime and myself across the interwebs are found in the show notes. Make sure you follow us across all of our different platforms. When it comes to Pocket Now, you can head over to pocketnow.com for the latest news and headlines, and then find Pocket Now on social media at Pocket Now on Twitter, Instagram, and the like. From there, you can go to youtube.com slash Pocket Now for video content that's pretty much coming out every single day. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Thank you so much for listening to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast and for hanging out with us this week, and we will see you in our next episode.